Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from For the Region about the future of South West Wales. Hello and welcome to another conversation for For the Region's Build Back Better series. I'm Zoe Antropus and I'm excited today to be talking to someone we met a couple of years ago now. Someone who's as passionate about the region as we are, as passionate about buying local as we are. She's a champion connector in South West Wales and she has a fantastic heart who's always looking to help and improve the lives of others. I'm delighted to welcome Director of Gower Gas and Oil Heating Services, Julie Jones. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi Julie, thank you so much for joining me. For those who don't know much about Gower Gas and Oil, would you give a little introduction? Gower Gas and Oil is a family-run business working throughout Wales. We have a fairly niche market. We provide business-to-business -business servicing, maintenance, planned and reactive work for large public organisations, quite high demand clients, so the NHS, ambulance service, fire service, police, who all have very high demands in terms of the services that they require in order to keep running. And we employ locally. We, we're a small company, but as you say, we're very passionate about the local economy and the regional economy, not just in the region, but obviously throughout Wales, because we work in North Wales and actually in four corners of Wales. We've been running since 2005 and it's always been our ethos to wherever possible employ local staff to uh, staff contracts as close to the home areas as possible for reasons that i'll come on to now since i've known you i can't keep up with the amount of community benefit initiatives that you've been involved in poverty homelessness domestic violence supporting the elderly tell me about the projects you've been involved in and the importance of businesses like gower gas and oil of being involved gower gas and oil is my partner's business and i joined the business after having a break you know, to, to, to raise our young family. It's not my background business, shall we say. It's not my chosen career. I don't know a great deal about boilers. But prior to becoming involved in the business, I worked for a very long time as a social worker and as a community worker. And so my interest has always been to sort of look at the commercial side of the business but also to see how we could do things in a more ethical way and in a more sensitive commercial way. Now, when we actually started doing business, I, I was busy raising, raising babies and my partner was going out and winning contracts and doing the work and, and seeing to the sort of construction-led side of things. And when I became employed by the business, we sort of started to look at the marketing, the PR and all the different sort of administrative requirements, you know, because he was quite successful. He has an incredible reputation, his knowledge about all commercial appliances and troubleshooting and he knows everything there is to know about commercial boilers and he's very well known within that sector 
but obviously he didn't really have the time to concentrate on the other side of the business which is you know what you really need in order to have a degree of success and when we first started i i honestly i didn't understand i i genuinely we were trying for tenders all of the time and we weren't getting anywhere at all and so I said at some point I said stop you know we're just we're not doing this right we need to go back to basics we need to have another look at what we're actually doing here and so I signed up for a number of courses with Business Wales and it was mentor a business I think back in the day so I joined up with them and I put my name down for courses and I actually I started to go along and to learn the trade really and to learn about the language that you needed in order to be successful at tendering and at procurement and the things that you generally needed to, to, to have in your knowledge box then if you were going to compete you know with, with other businesses who are in the same sector so I went on a number of tendering workshops I went to a number of meet the buyer events I went to some tendering workshops twice, you know, to, to, to really learn about what you needed to have in terms of knowledge to be able to compete. And around about the same sort of time, the idea of community benefits was starting to filter through to the commercial sector, to the business world. And Welsh Government were actually starting in the very, this is in the very early days to look at okay so what can we encourage to come back to the community in terms of actual tangible benefits you know because they do have to purchase these services and contracts anyway so it was kind of a time when you know we're going back a few years now but it was kind of a time when they were looking at what 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 else what additional benefits can we get out of our procurement structures so i went on a number of courses about community benefits and i went to a number of update sessions about community benefits and i learned about it and it struck a chord with me in as much as i began to understand from my own perspective how the interface between business and making a successful business can actually be quite comfortably harnessed with doing good and doing good locally and how it actually benefits the business commercially to be doing good in terms of giving back community benefits so whereas a number of companies and bigger companies would spend money on massive advertising campaigns and would approach the market in a way that we couldn't we had a certain skill set which came perhaps from my background, we need to improve the presence of the business within the community. We need to say, this is, this is a good thing that we're doing. And we genuinely would like to become involved in giving back to the communities because both Howell, my partner and co-director and I, we are ambassadors really for the region and for Wales generally we're incredibly proud of the area that we live in we think you know we we know about the, sort of the skills that we've got in the area the compassion that we've got in the area the optimism and drive that we've got in the area and it's really about trying to look at business and making 
profit in a different way so that it doesn't just profit a bank balance or a, a shareholding, but actually that it comes back around and is nourishing to the local community in a meaningful way and you give back to the roots which you know to which you owe your success so so that was very much the ethos and of course moving on from that there's been the development of the well-being of future generations act and also with the advent of the circular economy it wasn't in a planned way because this was around about the time where i became aware of for the region and joined your organization and you know picked up i was i was already on message as it were and i came to the circular economy event that you did very successful hugely successful circular economy event that you held in the liberty stadium it was very refreshing see for me to hear like-minded professionals getting around the table and sharing expertise experience and our challenges in trying to provide solutions for business in a more ethical and more productive way for the local economy. Thanks, Julie. There's so much insightful advice there for businesses. You know, the, the journey that you've been on going to the amount of training courses and everything. I don't think businesses realise the hard work that you have to put in to even becoming ethical. So some of the projects that you were involved in, you started up yourself or did you have to go looking for them yourself? For example, the Don't Dance Alone project that you worked on with The Wave, was it? Did you come up with that project or was it something you worked on with them together? Well, initially, the Don't Dance Alone project, it was just an amazing project to be involved in. And it was brought to me as a slightly different prospect by the staff at The Wave, by sales, and by their executive producer, who had the, the sort of bones of an idea about what to do. And they came to see me and, it, you know, obviously advertising is really an expensive occupation <laughs> for businesses to get involved in. And you have to be certain that obviously you are raising your profile sufficiently given, given the expense but also that it's achieving what you want it to achieve. We hadn't really done a great deal of advertising. So this was our first foray. We've done an awful lot of sponsorship and community initiative working, but we hadn't done any advertising per se. And it, it really was time that we, you know, we started to look at that. When I was approached with regard to the, the original idea, by the way, it, it was quite a special moment for me because my background obviously is in social care and my, my earliest personal memories are of relationships with grandparents and local elder people in the community. And my actual work within the hospital setting saw me undertake, well, 13, 12, 13 years worth of work with older people in the community. So I, I got, you know, a reasonably good idea really of what, what the issues for them were and are. And so when the idea about raising awareness of elder loneliness was put to me, as you know, I, I you know, I, I just grabbed it with 
both hands and gave it a good old shake to see, you know, where we could go with it. I didn't really have any idea how people would actually take it, you know, to, to, to their hearts locally, but they did. And of course, eventually the campaign on Wave did win a campaigning journalism award. And I ended up dancing my way around Swansea and we're doing an awful lot of work in schools raising issues of elder loneliness and not just elder loneliness but how communities can mobilize themselves in order to combat something which I genuinely believe costs the UK and the NHS an awful lot of money you know just checking in on elderly people and sometimes for them to just have a notion that there are people beyond their front door who care about them you know you, you can't actually put a cost on that but it, it can help to keep people at home for much longer and it can help people to just feel better about you know life beyond their front door particularly you know we're looking at from our engineering perspective and, and the sort of the connection with the company, we were working at the time with an awful lot of domestic clients as part of a bulk domestic contract. And our engineering staff, who we trained to beyond what's actually the basic requirements, were coming back occasionally to me because obviously they knew my background in social work. And they would come back occasionally and say, oh, I've been to this house and things are not good you know the person there was, was quite advanced in age maybe not got any food maybe there's issues of food poverty maybe there's issues of fuel poverty maybe there were any number of issues and so we got into the habit long before don't dance alone of picking up information like that and it was always delivered to me and then i would relay it back to whichever organization needed to know about it. You know, people very often, they can be on their own for months at a time and they don't see anybody at all. And they might see our engineer and they've not seen anybody for weeks. So that, you know, there was a very close connection to the business and also the idea of warmth and the idea of heat poverty, which is a really big issue for a lot of older people when they have to decide whether to heat or eat. And all of those kinds of issues really were in the mix. So when Don't Dance Alone came along, I grabbed it with both hands because obviously it gave me an opportunity to revisit my social work past and to use some of the skills and the knowledge and certainly the values that I'd established personally, my worldview, and sort of put them to good use to, to the wider community. So the opportunity to promote our company, our values, which are excellent, efficient, considerate and safe, to the wider community, and obviously to improve our connections with the caring community that we were already involved in, because we provide services to ambulance, the Welsh Ambulance Service, we provide services to local hospitals. So, so it gave us an opportunity to tick an awful lot of boxes for the company whilst doing something really rather special, which was raising awareness of elder loneliness in the community and just raising the profile of older people generally and also to show what could be achieved with intergenerational work because a lot of the campaign focused on bringing older people living alone in the community into schools 
or bringing nurseries and young children into nursing homes. And it was also to engender an idea that actually one of the things that you find when you work with elderly people an awful lot is that people see the transition from home to care as some sort of end of life move. And it isn't necessarily, you know, nursing homes are in our community as are residential homes, but they're also part of the community. So Don't Dance Alone was generally about consciousness raising, about all those sorts of issues. And it, it was, you know, as I say, right where I live, it, it, it won awards. And, and genuinely, you know, we got an awful lot of feedback back from people saying, heard the show on the radio today, amazing, brilliant what you're doing, you know? So it had tangible benefits for the business. But, you know, the money that we spent was actually generating an awful lot of spin-off benefits then, not just for the benefit of the business, but also for the benefit of the wider community. And, you know, was forefront really in my thinking that there is a better way of doing business. The millions and millions of pounds that are spent on advertising campaigns, not saying don't advertise, but I'm saying, you know, look at it from a different perspective and see, well, how, how can we harness this money? How can we use this to better effect? I absolutely loved the campaign. I think that was around the time that I first met you and you, you were absolutely everywhere. <laughs> like you say, you were in schools and homes and danced your way around Swansea. As you said, it was fantastic. It was really, really good. How do you get your employees embedded in your values and on board with what you are doing? I've heard you talking before as well and you've touched on it today about the importance of your work colleagues and your staff who go out into the community and how invaluable their advice is. Keeping an eye on what's happening in the communities, it's really important that you employ local people. How does that all gel together and how do you get your messages across to your, your staff? Recruitment is fraught, as you know, with difficulties. You get people who, like any relationship, some are with you for a lifetime, some are only with you for five minutes. It's just a case of working out who's a good fit, really, with regards to the values of the business and who can promote our ethics and, and live up, really, to excellent, considerate, efficient and safe. But not just that. But, you know, people who have life experience, people who have a certain worldview, you know, we are very keen to ensure that staff coming from a background of consideration and a background of some personal discipline, you know, you, you won't see a Gower Gas and Oil Heating Services engineer in a beaten up van, you won't see them covered in paint, you won't see them wearing a hoodie or, or a hat, you know, so we have quite a strong identity in terms of what we want our staff to look like and how we want them to behave. It's writ large throughout everything that we do. One of the things that we also do is we're a veteran friendly organisation because another thing that I believe very strongly in is in giving back to those who've given amazing things to their communities and you know who've looked after us and so we work with an organization called care after combat and we also actively look to recruit veterans who perhaps had some form of training in the gas arena you know because we're not terribly worried about 
people's aptitude for the job, as it were. It's about getting the right people, you know, and then training them up. So, yeah, we encourage, actively encourage applications from veteran communities, particularly for our engineering posts. And it's fact of today that we now have two admin officers, two women, an office manager and an admin worker, who are both veterans, which is lovely. Ah. Which, which is lovely to have you know so it's really about the little details and and there are things that you can do as an employer as a supplier uh and as a contractor there are the small things that you can do you can you can look at well you know how are we how are we with regards to the numbers of women and men do we have people from different ethnic minority backgrounds are we employing people with different ability you know and are we looking towards perhaps more isolated communities like the veteran community there are small things that you can do i mean don't dance alone don't get me wrong was an incredible campaign but it was also a very expensive campaign for us to run not just in terms of money but obviously everybody got involved Everybody in the company got involved. The engineers, I wasn't only me dancing and eating cake. <laughs> All the engineers got involved and they came and they promoted the idea about looking after elderly people in the community. Everybody signed up to it. Everybody was really happy to sign up to it. Everybody got on board with it. So, you know, if you, if you look very carefully, I think, at how you give back and what you're giving back to, then you, you have to capture the imagination, not just of your staff, but of the wider community as well. So, you know, that's very much been at the back of my mind. You know, you, you appreciate as a di director of a company and as an employer, you know, there are certain things that your business has to go on and achieve. You know, obviously it has to be viable and it has to be sustainable and you have to have certain qualities about the way that you work. But behind that or further than that, you can look at, well, you know, what good can I actually achieve out of being in business? You know, at the end of the day, it's nice to have, you know, the bank balance and it's nice to have the, the lifestyle. But from mine and my partner's perspective, it's more important to go to bed at night and say, yeah, that was good. We did a good day's work today. We gave back to the community we we may be worn out ourselves and impoverished but actually we've done some good the don't dance alone campaign was amazing it really was, it was fantastic but more than that you know obviously we look at sponsoring sports clubs and school with kit local schools have benefited you know from it i think probably we outstrip any big organization by a country mile in terms of what we give back to the community and there's a reason for that that's because we are rooted in the community in the wider community of wales and because we understand the benefit of being rooted and it feeds into everything that you do because if you are rooted in the community you're also invested in that community you have an inherent understanding of what that community's issues are and what that community's needs may be. We work in North Wales, we work 
all across the for the region region and Swansea Bay region and the two areas are so distinct in their needs and so distinct in their differences but we have a rooted understanding because we employ locally and we have people invested in that the community we don't put engineers in buses and you know occasionally we do have to send specialist engineers to different parts of wales but generally they work within their home area and that's a determination that we've had and it, it isn't an accident it's something that we decided very early on was something that we wished to achieve there are an awful lot of reasons why as I say, they have our engineering staff, they know the area, they commit to the area, they've got family in the area, they've got children in school. We pay them wages, those wages get spent in the locality. You know, we give them time to go and do Coast Guard duties or lifeboat duties or to be involved in certain charities. We support their children's sponsorship requirements we support their children's schools if they need kit you know so really it's all about turning everything that you can upside down and having a look can we get something more out there yeah. we were going to spend this money anyway can we can we make this money work better not just for us but for the community as well now people who get bust into areas to do work then you know they, they may be exceptional they may be but it's not where they live and my experience is that stakeholders and invested people give better services they give better services because you know you, you have an inherent care about you know where you live your community your school your kids your parents so it all just and, and the best part about it is is it's not in any way discriminatory it's not exclusive it's not xenophobic in any way because the best part of it is for the whole of the uk everywhere is local to somewhere yeah. so it can work you know it, it can work on a very meaningful level that business can actually tool itself up go and do the learning go and find out about what other people are doing if you've got the time to spare to get people like we were fortunate and i was able to do to to, to learn the trade of procurement and then have people like me who are unafraid of putting themselves out there and saying there's a better way that we could do this you know we can work better we can buy locally we can consume locally we can improve the local economy for all of the beneficiaries you know and and you can look at wider implications of it such as you know you're not shipping in a banana you're not flying in a banana for your tea you know, what can you do on a micro level that can have macro effects and can bring about change you know sort of looking at your recycling maybe in your office and do you need to actually use paper are we using local goods are we eating seasonal fruit and vegetables for example are we buying things from local shops and it's really about 
taking down bit by bit the reliance we have had or we've learned on multiple of or, or public liability companies, you know, PLCs, all of these supermarket type sort of ideas that have infiltrated our consciousness and our way of doing things. You know, it's not more expensive necessarily to buy local. It can be a little bit more inconvenient because you have to find parking, etc. But it's really worth going that extra mile to make a difference. And we try and we do try and live that in, you know, through Gower Gas and Oil and through all the different things that, that we support and all the different causes that, you know, that we pick up. We also look at what our clients' favoured causes are. One of our long-term clients, David Powers Police, we've got a very long relationship with them. And one of the areas that they wanted to shine a light on was the issue of domestic violence. So we worked in partnership with them and with Beth and Syed, the assembly member or member of the Senate now, as they're called, to look at promoting the awareness of domestic violence in the home. So working with Beth and Syed and her colleagues and a number of organisations to highlight the prevalence of coercive control within the home and looking at the impact that that then has on, on children, on future generations. So exploring, and again, another way of working and another way of meeting our community benefits obligations. Everybody has them. Everybody that does business in Wales. I very quickly grasped the nettle in terms of not just how you can use this to the advantage of your business, but obviously I have another role in the local authority. I had a role as somebody who understood the conundrum of looking after the public from a different perspective. So I understood quite early on how one can harness one to benefit the other. And so when the community benefits programmes started to be rolled out by Welsh Government, you know, I was a fan straight away. I am a fan of all things local, of all things regional and, and really I think my key message is we need to really wake up to selling our heritage, our local resources to the cheapest bidder when you know that's not necessarily the best solution, not for the area, not for us. You know, we can do this, we can do it for ourselves. We can we can localize, we can mobilize and we, we can look after ourselves in a better way and there is a better way of doing business. Thanks, Julia. You hit um, so much of our For the Region ethos, the procurement, that we really try and drive home the importance of looking at procurement by local initiative. You really hit everything that For the Region is all about, and we're so privileged to have you as a member of ours and such a great champion in the region. Your employees, I've seen lots of photos on your social media of your employees involved in great campaigns through COVID. COVID hasn't stopped your work in the community at all, has it? No, I think the, the you know, the pandemic has, and COVID, coronavirus, whatever you choose to call it, has really knocked everybody sideways. And of course, in the early days, when we were first locked down, there were an awful lot of challenges to be met, both uh, from a 
commercial perspective and from a personal perspective and quite early on it became apparent that you know we would need to reorganize uh, and to me personally it became apparent that there were going to be a number of issues that we could maybe use our business resources to help towards so one of the things that we became involved in was the scrubs for hubs that was an amazing initiative where lots and lots of people in the community, most of them actually from a professional seamstress or tailoring background, got together to try and address the critical shortfall in personal protective equipment, PPE, and in particular scrubs. And obviously, you know, we had a connection as we look after a number of hospital communities and, and a lot of hospital estate. And so it occurred to us that, you know, this was another, another avenue that we could look at assisting our clients then in their hour of need. And so we had some, some spare space and we had some spare person hours and we put them to good use by giving over part or half of our building actually to the coordination of the PPE effort and the Scrubs for Hubs and it was enormous, it was an enormous undertaking and I was really proud of the work that went ahead in the office on behalf of Gallagassan Oil and you know the sheer numbers and the volume of equipment that was made uh, i mean we didn't we didn't make it but we distributed it we delivered it we collected material we coordinated the calculation of who needed what and you know we gave admin hours to that as well so i think when things started to calm down and and PPE became more readily available. I think up around that point, 25,000 pieces of PPE had actually passed through our office, prepared by an incredible people in the community, coordinated by incredible people in the community, and then given over to us for distribution and handing out to hospitals, care homes, and even vets, you know, veterinary surgeons, anybody that couldn't get PPE or masks, and we, we were assisting in that. The other thing that occurred was obviously I had some time on my hands because I was able to work from home and I continued in fact we were required I think to work from home at one point and so I had some disposable hours on my own behalf and I put a post on Facebook to say you know if any of my neighbours needed anything then I'd be happy to you know pick up milk bread whatever if I was going up to town or, or what have you or into Mumbles and I have to say I was fairly inundated with messages some as far as Windsor I didn't understand obviously the the sort of worldwide message that I had sent and that people were taking me up on it from not even in this country so, <laughs> wow <laughs> So very quickly, I, I realized that the, the error of my ways, I got in touch with a number of key people in the community. Our local councillor, Councillor Lyndon Jones, was one of the first people. And it occurred to me that one of the commonalities running through the area was our churches and places of worship. So I got in touch with the people in the churches. So Sue Waite and Andy Walker, Reverend Andy Walker, and asked them, you know, did they think that 
it might be an idea that we could perhaps string together some informal sport for the community during the pandemic. Then uh, the lovely Dawn and yourself got in touch and said, what is it that you're up to? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? And shared ideas. And we ended up in a war cabinet meeting at Swansea Council for Voluntary Services. And we were all, you know, just swept along and, and happy to contribute. And Lyndon and Graham Lucas and I came away and we met with the people from that, the, you know, the higher ups in the church. And then I put out another message saying, you know, we may be doing this thing. We may be looking at, you know, stringing together some support. And I got an awful lot of replies from local people who I know and we had a meeting and the Gower Isolation Support Group was founded and we were really fortunate because Merton Methodist Church got on board as did St Tylo's Church, as did Councillor Lyndon Jones, as did Councillor Rob Stewart, the leader of Swansea City Council and gave us all the support that we needed and at the height of our activity we had a helpline running from Lamplighter which is a church-owned uh, shop and coffee shop in the middle of Bishopstown for people to ring if they were distressed if they were worried if they had immediate needs to be met sort of pre prescription collection shopping any issues really and we had 70 volunteers locally signed up to contribute and offer to run errands or to collect prescriptions. We had a dedicated team of people to run the lamplighter function and to man the helpline telephone. And we had a group of 12 coordinators who coordinate everything for the Gower Isolation Support Group. And then I set up the Gower Isolation Support Group Facebook page really as a way of trying to keep everybody connected, keep everybody informed, because there's an awful lot of misinformation out there, uh, and keep everybody's peckers up really, because it's such a miserable time, and just posting funnies and little bits and pieces. It's become a bit like a magazine almost, it's still running. I think we've got about 13 or 1400 members now. Yeah, so it's been a busy time. And then at the end of that, I decided that perhaps, you know, we could be looking at there are an awful lot of people out there who are not in receipt of any statutory services and they're making losses, you know, that they won't regain. These are older people, some of whom have got early onset dementia, and they, they won't recover some of the losses that they're making right now because they're not seeing people, they're not going out, they haven't got their normal community queues, they haven't got church. And so I thought, well, you know, what would be a nice thing to do would be to actually perhaps make a meal, prepare a meal that would get delivered to them every weekend. And, you know, some people thought that that was very foolish. <laughs> and other people said, yeah, let's run with it. Let's do it. And, and anyway, the Grub Club was established and we provide a home cooked meal on a Saturday for local people who are vulnerable or who are shielding. It's entirely voluntary and and it's been it's been a huge thing. It's been a lovely thing to do and it's been incredibly successful. You know, not by 
standards of thousands and thousands and thousands of meals being churned out. But we have provided, I think we're coming up to probably about six or 700 meals, all provided out of the, the church hall. A nice, warm, nutritious meal, which is delivered by a friendly face once a week. And, and the message that we convey in is, we made you this. We haven't forgotten about you. We care about you. You know, here's a meal. And it's something that's that you know people have have taken to in great numbers <laughs> <laughs> i know you and your family have been involved in that and some of my friends and their families as well i've seen they've been involved in uh, cooking every saturday like loads and loads of pots and pans with your masks on like it's been really really inspiring is that going to continue for a little bit as that like, covid's not over yet so what's happening to the gower isolation group and the grub club gower isolation support group really i think we're going through a period of almost treading water because we don't really know what the future holds and obviously Everybody's doing this in the voluntary capacity. Nobody's getting any pay for it. We don't have any paid officials. You know, we don't have any support from, from any organizations at all. Everybody's doing it, not instead of, but as well as everything that they were already doing. So, you know, hats off to all the volunteers. They've been absolutely incredible. And we've got a core, really, of can-do people ready to spring into action like coiled springs. <laughs> um, no, so we, 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 we're, we're literally, uh, we're carrying on with the Grub Club. I'm carrying on with the Gower Isolation Support Group Facebook page. We're continuing with the Lamplighter. You know, we don't really know where we're going in terms of things opening up, things closing down. And I think that that's probably how we're going to have to adapt during the winter. You know, I think we're all going to have to suck it up and we're all going to have to say, we've got to do our bit, we've got to wear a mask, we've got to wash our hands. If it's lockdown, we've got to stay in, you know, and, and for the greater good then, for, for the good of each other and for the good of our vulnerable people in the community. So whilst, you know, we don't really know what we're looking at going forward, and there is a lot of fatigue, I think. A lot of people are really fed up and depressed about the, the prospect of a winter with this virus, you know, running rampant. And it's really about trying to encourage people to say, come on, you know, we can still do this. You know, we can help each other, we can sort it out. So trying to keep everybody buoyed up and ready, really. Yeah, yeah I think that's the, has been so important, hasn't it? Is actually how communities have come together and kept each other going and kept, you know, even that whole thing about keeping busy as well. You know, you're out there supporting other vulnerable people, but it's also keeping your mind busy and helping with your own worries and concerns that you everybody has about COVID. But, but and I think that by giving back, it keeps your brain busy and keeps you active. I think also, Zoe, I think it helps you retain the sense of perspective, you know. One of the things that I learned, you know, as a social work practitioner is, is particularly working with older people, but I think it affects everybody across the board, is if for any reason you drop out of society for any length of time, your perspective can change and the world can start to seem an awful lot more scary than maybe it actually is. And things can seem to be an awful lot more worrying. Than they actually are 
and you know you just get into a situation where you stay in and all you do is watch the news and then you watch the next and you you know you can become quite debilitated you can become very isolated and you can very easily become quite depressed so i think the best antidote to that is to you know get yourself up get yourself washed get yourself out there make yourself safe you know don't take any risks and do little bits maybe in the community, in your own garden even, you know, just get some fresh air. But, you know, to try and keep everybody's enthusiasm for life up, because I know that people genuinely are feeling very fatigued and very worn out. And sadly, you know, we are looking down the barrel of winter where, you know, genuinely these things can become very much more complicated by the normal winter bugs and the normal winter viruses. So we're keeping an op open, realistic, but optimistic mind, you know, and just trying to sort of bring people on board and say, you know, come and, come and help. If you're locked down or if your business is closed and you've got a spare few hours, you know, there's so many things going on. You can get involved in a socially distanced beach clean or in the Merthyr, they've got the uh, grot spot people that go around cleaning up, you know, areas that have become delinquent with rubbish and, and, and all sorts of unmentionable. So, you know, there's so many things that you can get involved in. You don't have to sit at home and be lonely. You don't have to sit at home and be worried. You don't have to sit at home pining on the pans. You don't have to sit at home drinking copious amounts of wine. <laughs> um, you can do that, obviously, but you can also choose to get out there and get some fresh air and do some good. Thanks, Julie. Honestly, today's conversation has been so packed full of so much advice and information for people. I really hope that people enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I've enjoyed talking to you. There are many benefits to communities to have the help and support from businesses like Gower Gas and Oil. The ripple effect of local businesses and communities coming together has a clear long-standing benefits for local economies, employment and most importantly as Julie's just mentioned, well-being for all. I'd like to thank Julie for joining us today and we'll look forward to seeing you all again soon.